like, oh, Cool J's here. What's up? It is Kevin Crockett, Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas. It is the Air It Out podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes. Uh, Avery, do you need to air it out? I know you got kickstarted with some White Castle there, man. You got any, like, gasps or anything you need to eat out before we get rolling here? No, I'm good, man. The White Castle's settling in, and uh, we're good to go. Got me uh, got me prepared for this thing. Shout out to White Castle. Harry and Kumar go to White Castle. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. <laughs> Chris, White Castle thoughts. Hit me with it. It does a job, but it doesn't do enough. That's White Castle for you. It does the job, but it does. I think that's their slogan. Portions of the program brought to you by White Castle, by the way. Uh, here we go. So it's been an interesting day. Uh, if you've been... On social media today, uh, if you are a football fan, there is a lot to talk about. NFL owners have approved a new policy aimed at addressing the firestorm over national anthem protests, permitting players to stay in the locker room during the Star-Spangled Banner, but requiring the stand if they come to the field to, quote, show respect for the flag and the anthem. So there was a policy statement that was released by the NFL. I'm going to try to breeze through this quickly so that you guys can understand uh, exactly what the terms of this are, because I think it's very interestingly worded as we go through. So uh, teams will actually be the ones who are fined, not the players, in the case that a player decides not to stand for the national anthem. So the six bullet points that the NFL released are that all team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. The game operations manual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. Personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stand in the locker room or in a similar location off the field until after the anthem has been performed. A club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the above principles regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. And the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Which brings us to the NFLPA, who was not consulted in this new policy, but released a statement saying, quote, the NFL chose not to consult the union in the development of this, quote, policy. NFL players have shown their patriotism throughout their socialism and and activities, their community service in support of our military and law enforcement, and yes, through their protests to raise awareness about the issues they care about. Uh, That statement released by the NFLPA, these rules released by the NFL. Chris, I'm going to start with you. What are your first thoughts when you uh, hear that all this has gone down? I'm going to be honest. I was on Twitter like an hour before we got on, and this topic's got me hot. And I don't like it, but I shouldn't be. it should be expected right now for the way NFL conducts their business, as well as not consulting with players and the fact more than likely the owner is just going to go ahead and just do whatever they want. It's ridiculous how the less that they're going to go to mandate forced patriotism towards the NFL players and the fact that they're trying to make the NFL players trying to vilify them in the sense that if you don't stand for the national anthem or if you don't show that patriotism for those three, those two to three minutes which the national anthem is played, then you're not a good, then you're not a upright American citizen. And to me, that's just completely ridiculous. And also the fact that they were able to crack down and figure this out immediately, especially without the NFL players, but yet they still don't have a consistent policy to handle NFL players who get arrested for domestic disputes, drunk driving, and a bunch of other egregious actions. 
that NFL players do, and yet they're still, by the guidelines, still allowed to pursue a career, whereas players like Colin Kaepernick, who is currently suing the NFL for collusion, Eric Reed, who also was Colin Kaepernick's teammate, still without a job, we shouldn't be shocked at this point, but it's to me it's flat out disgusting. And again, the fact that they didn't consult the NFL PA about any of this just shows to me that there's going to be a strike soon. Avery, I'm going to come to you. First thoughts. You hear this news come down. What are you thinking? I'm not shocked. I'm not appalled. I'm just, you know, utterly disappointed. Simple as that. First, because they did not consult the NFL PA. So that just tells me, like I say in other conversations out, outside of this, it just tells me that this issue is more of a racial issue than the NFL really wants to admit. Um, because you've got a, a league where we'll say 80% of the players or, or employees, if you will, um, are African-Americans and they want to voice their uh, opinions. And now they're just being told basically to you know be quiet during the national anthem when they were already quiet during the national anthem. It was a silent protest. There was no riot there was no violence there was no anger there was no blatant disrespect it was merely a silent protest to try to bring awareness to an issue that affects so many people in this country that a lot of people and organizations tend to turn a blind eye to and in hopes to just continue to you know make make a dollar and to me, it's just, it's, it's, it's sick because these are real issues. These are real issues that these players, they have friends, family members, uh, and associates that go through the social injustices that Colin Kaepernick was standing up for. They, they know people who go through that on a daily basis and they themselves may or may not go through on a daily basis. And all they were trying to do was bring awareness. All they were tr trying to do was start a conversation. All they were tr trying to do was facilitate change. It's funny how all races, all races praise Muhammad Ali now for what he did. Not one person, I've never talked to anyone, black, white, Hispanic, Arab, anyone who doesn't uh, praise Muhammad Ali for what he did, for how he stood his ground and how he fought for people that looked like him that were being oppressed. And it's like, so why are we vilifying and demonizing Colin Kaepernick for doing the exact same thing? Is it because he wasn't as big as Muhammad Ali was or as articulate as Muhammad Ali was? Like, what is the reason behind it? And then when you find out what he was protesting, because I understand the initial shock could be taken as, oh, he's disrespecting the military, he's disrespecting the flag. But when you find out the exact reason why, then it's kind of like, what are you still upset about? Are you really upset about him kneeling? Or are you upset that he's bringing attention to something that you just don't want to have to deal with and you don't want to have to face the reality of when people of color have to face that reality every day. And then we talk about this national, national anthem. 
when the national anthem itself was written somebody who was a racist and the third stanza proves that and we act like that doesn't exist i find it extremely funny shocking and pretty much disgusting that our nation's anthem is an anthem that degrades and really speaks violently toward and against people who make up part of this nation so but that's that's our anthem that's our that's what we we call that's our calling card that's what we sing when we go to the olympics this is the song that we want to be represented by like it, it just doesn't make any sense to me so um to me it like i said the nfl's decision just proves to me that it is um more of a race issue than they want to admit and they this is a subtle way of showing that but at the same time in the same breath i will say this let's stop trying to make the nfl a symbol of morale they don't care uh they they never have they never will i mean up until uh, you know a couple of years ago the national anthem wasn't even televised and as chris alluded to you've got people who you know got duis and domestic violence issues and take performance enhancing drugs and different things like this but they're still allowed to pursue careers in the league but Colin Kaepernick isn't because he did a silent protest but then you turn right around and put out commercials that are against domestic violence. You try to support domestic violence organizations, but you allow domestic abusers into your organization. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I said, to me, I was just uh, disappointed more than anything. I think it's a really interesting point that you made uh, about when this whole scenario first came to light. Colin Kaepernick takes that knee. I think a lot of people were confused. And I, and I do think the vast majority of football fans, their reaction was, oh, well, he's disrespecting America. He's disrespecting our military. Uh, and then you kind of understand where he's coming from and what he wants to do and that he ultimately wants to make this country a better place. And I feel like the majority of people understand that. Unfortunately, that's not the case for everyone. But to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I think one of the big cries in the beginning of all this from a vast majority of people, no matter what side of the Colin Kaepernick stance you were on, was that football should be football. It should be a getaway. It should be the thing that wants to get you away from work or what's going on at home or whatever is bothering you. You want those three or four hours of your team being on on Sunday to be your thing and kind of silence everything else out uh, of what's going on around you. So I'll present it to you like this. I agree with you that it seems like real shade that the NFLPA wasn't a part of this decision. But I look at an owner like Jeffrey Lurie of the Philadelphia Eagles, who has been open about having these conversations. Chris Long and Malcolm Jenkins are two of the guys who have been widely used across all of their platforms, the NFL's platforms, to kind of talk about these scenarios. Does it make this situation any better if an owner like Jeffrey Lurie, even after today with with these rules being put down that I think are going to frustrate a lot of people, if Jeffrey Lurie were to come out and say, look, we're all not going to agree on this situation. We all have certain ways that we feel about it. Fellas, players, you have this incredible platform of the NFL to post game in your community to do whatever you want to do and use your stature to try to better your communities. 
But you know what? The 15 minutes before the game, the 60 minutes of the game, and the 15 minutes after the game, we're just asking you guys to put the helmet on, put the shoulder pads on, and focus on football. If an owner were to come out with a little bit of sympathy towards the situation and sit and say, look, for this hour and a half of 15 minutes before 60 and 15 after, just can we just focus on football and let the rest take care of itself when we're not in between the white lines, when we're not between the hashes? Shout out, brought to you by Inside the Hashes. Um, Chris, I'll start with you. Does it soften the blow to you if an owner comes out and says, look, we hear you, but we're just trying to play football? No, I can't get I can't get behind that at all if Jeffrey Lurie does say something like that as an Eagles fan. Because, one, it would contradict what you did last year, standing behind the players, in which what Malcolm Jenkins did and what Chris Long has been doing and a bunch of other Eagles players that had taken their own their own national anthem protest and spin it. And if football is truly is the escape in which you want for those 60 minutes, those three hours, I'll even go one further. If that's the true escape that you want, then why do we have Breast Cancer Awareness Month? Why do we have all these advertisements if that's all it is it's going to be an escape? It doesn't make any sense to me. If we're going to do that, then why do we have the month of military appreciation? And I can, I can go like it's a massive domino effect about advertisements that we can go on. If you truly want the escape, then there should it should just be that and that alone. But that's not the case. The case is that this entire ordeal about the national anthem protests is just the equivalent of a shut up and play, more particularly through the African American players who had been protesting. So, if that was if it was truly about football, then this wouldn't be the case at all. So, Avery, I'm going to ask you: Does it soften the blow? Do you feel like for the vast majority of people that if a player does choose to go out on the sideline and take a knee, that he is not the one that gets fined? but that the team is the one who is ultimately going to be paying the fund. Does that make this situation any easier to digest? I would say yes and no to that. Um, yes, because it doesn't directly affect the the player immediately. You know, it is a, a team situation where the team does get fined, and it's more so, you know, the owners who kind of take the blow because I guess they're supposed to be the overlookers of this situation. But I say no at the same time because I feel like eventually it can trickle down to the players if the fines continue to rack up and uh, a team and or ownership uh, gets to a point where they're saying, you know, these fines are just too much for us. We don't feel like paying these fines over you kneeling um, or protesting. So we're going to we're going to let you go. And I don't like that. The other portion of that is it's like the NFL wants these players to be role models. The NFL wants these players to to speak out, as Chris alluded to, uh, you know, during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and they do these these promo videos and different things like that, and then they do promo videos for um, domestic abuse and different things like that. But when it comes to a different social issue, when it comes to for example, police brutality against minorities. Now you want to be silent. Now you want to shut those those players up. And it, it befuddles me because, like I said before, let's go with just 80%. It's probably more, but let's say 80% of the players in this league are African-Americans who know people 
whether it be friends, family, associates, who go through this on a daily basis and may go through it themselves on a daily basis. So to me, it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's like you want us to be, you want them to be role models, but at the same time, you want them to, to shut up when it comes to issues that directly affect them. And what better way to be a role model to a African-American male or, or, or female than to stand up for them? Because they're the ones who don't have the millions of dollars, who can't escape and just go on vacations because they have millions of dollars and get away and do things. They're struggling. They're doing. The, they're going through this every day. When they get pulled over, they're terrified. They're scared. They're not. They're not sure if they're going to make it home. When they go out and they get judged based on the way they look, just the way their hair is done, and they have security following them in the mall and following them in the stores, that, that, that's not a good feeling. So when you see somebody who is in what seems to be a position of power, a position of status standing up for you, and what you're going through on a daily basis when they really don't have to, that, that makes you feel empowered. That makes you feel like, I can look up to that. That makes you feel like that's something I can aspire to do, whether or not I have money. Because let's be honest, not everybody's going to be a professional athlete. But anybody and everybody can be an activist for right, an activist for justice, an activist for truth. You can do that whether you are a janitor or a CEO. And so to me, you know, it just pacifies the situation. It doesn't rectify the situation. We need to have the conversation. The key to any great relationship is communication. The NFL did not consult the NFLPA. If I have a life partner or a, a companion or whatever, I'm going to communicate with them because that's the key to a relationship. If I have a business partner or anything like that, the key to that business being strong, steady, and, and cohesive is communication and it's the same thing when it comes to the nfl and how they communicate with their players um the players association and anything else i mean it's 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 about communication and so for me um i feel like it, it was just a slap in the face and like i said i'm i'm kind of disgusted but at the same time I say it again. I said it before. I say it again. Let's stop holding the NFL to some type of moral standard that they because they don't care. It's really interesting because it feels like the NFL may have left the players' association out on this one. But that collective bargaining agreement is just around the corner, and you better believe that while the owners probably feel like they have a lot of the power right now, if those players can come together and make some noise. 2020 ought to be a very interesting year for the NFL. And God bless the public relations department of the NFL right now. My goodness, every time Adam Schefter sends a tweet, Jason Lock and Forrest sends a tweet, they've got to be opening their Twitter like, how are we going to put out this fire? So uh, a crazy situation happening in the NFL. But while this was all great to talk about, and thank you, gentlemen, for speaking your minds, there is football that's going on right now. OTAs have begun. Already big news on the injury front. Hunter Henry, the man, you just had to feel like this guy was going to break out this year with Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen in that offense. Uh, Season-ending ACL injury. He is getting a second look, but 
Uh, first impression is that his season is over. Uh, and the other big news that came out of the NFL yesterday involving the Super Bowl MVP, according to an NFL.com report, the Cleveland Browns offered the 35th overall pick in this year's draft to the Eagles for Foles. The Eagles went to Foles to talk about it. Foles said that he would rather stay in Philadelphia. I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to ask you guys here. So, one, do you feel like the Eagles owed it to Nick Foles to have that conversation with him in a business that is pretty cutthroat? And two, do you think the Eagles made a mistake in not making this trade and leaving a high whether you want to call it a high second round pick or a low first round pick on the table and not taking that trade from the Cleveland Browns, no matter how Nichols felt about it. Avery, I'm going to start with you. Do you think the Eagles made a mistake? Um, No, I think they made the right choice. I think, in my personal opinion, Nick Foles is the best backup quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, and he's proven his worth, and he's proven that that position kind of goes overlooked because you had somebody who was an MVP caliber quarterback in Carson Wentz, who was leading his team to what looked like an eventual uh, Super Bowl run. And then he goes down and quite frankly, everybody other than probably the people in the Eagles organization kind of chalked the season and said, well, there it goes. It's down the drain. And you know, there was our, there was our shot. There was our window. And he stepped in and performed. He stepped in and outperformed, really. And he wants to be in Philadelphia. I mean, he was considering retiring before he got the phone call from Philly. He never wanted to leave in the first place. So um, I think they made the right choice. You, you got a guy who's willing to, you know, restructure his contract. You got a guy who's willing to do what it takes to, to, to help his team. And it seems like him and Carson Wentz, have a beautiful relationship. And that is not always the case when it comes to quarterbacks because it's it's a cutthroat league and everybody wants to compete and everybody wants to be out there. So to go from Super Bowl MVP to possibly being benched and not seeing any playing time at all the next season, that just speaks to a testament to you know Nick Foles' character. And that brings a locker room together. That brings a locker room together more than uh, – a 35th round pick. So I think that the, uh, excuse me, a 35th overall pick. Um, I think that the Eagles made the, the correct choice and I, I, I'm glad they did. Chris, if you're the general manager of the Eagles, do you feel like you owe it to Nick Foles or any player? Obviously Nick Foles brought you your first Super Bowl as the MVP, but a vast majority of time when a trade is on the table, that's probably not a conversation that most organizations are having with a player. Do you feel like the Eagles owed it to Nick Foles to have that conversation with him? And do you think that they should have just been like, hey, this is a business. We need to look towards the future and taking that pick, uh, number 35 from the Browns. I think that the fact that they really consulted with Nick, like, so what do you think? Um, we're, Cleveland gave us an offer. What do you want to do? I think that's what really separates them from a lot of teams in this league because not a lot of teams or 29 teams at all is going to consult with more or less a backup quarterback about, is this the right move for you? But I also have to agree with David. This is a smart fit, especially considering that Carson Wentz, he was throwing yesterday at OTAs, but it was just light throwing. 
needs a reminder of footwork. He is still gearing for a week one comeback, but it's always nice to have that insurance policy in case things go south because if you do trade Nick for that 35th overall pick and then all of a sudden Carson and when something happens, God forbids, that he gets hurt again, then you're stuck with probably Nate Sudfeld for the rest of the way. And are you confident with Nate Sudfeld as solution with Nick Foles? I'm, I'm not. And the fact that I think it was just a smart move because if Philadelphia, like, what were you going to do with the 35th overall pick? Maybe you probably could have got um, more offensive line depth. But at that point, the five um, big, the big five quarterbacks were all taken. So if you were possibly going to, like, get a Lamar Jackson, then maybe that probably would have been – if you would have traded Nick Foles to, for the 35th and then the target would have been Lamar Jackson, I could somewhat see that move being somewhat justified. But in the end, it's – I'm more of the fact that I'd rather go with the devil I know than the devil I don't know. And the devil I know, Nick Foles, he's – won three playoff games, and he's won a Super Bowl, and he's a Super Bowl in MVP. So I think it's a smart move. Avery, what do you think about that? I just want to rebuttal there. Um, one, I agree with half of what you said. You said um, you, you're not sure exactly what the Eagles kind of, like, need. I mean, obviously, O-line depth is – that's any team. Like, you <laughs> you want to get an offensive lineman. You want to stockpile as many as you can, especially good ones. So I agree there. I, I don't think I don't know what value you get from it, the thirty fifth pick, like because the Eagles are a pretty complete team. But then you went and said you could justify it by getting Lamar Jackson. I don't agree because Carson Wentz is very young, and he's way better than Lamar Jackson is. The ceiling is way higher for Carson than it is for Lamar. So I'm just I don't know. Maybe I'm just confused as to what role Lamar would play in that offense because I, I don't ever see him taking the starting position from Carson Wentz and because they're so close in age it would be pointless to have him sit until Carson retires because one we don't know when that happens um, unless maybe you're thinking get Lamar Jackson in and then trade him uh, for more value possibly but I'm not sure exactly what direction you were going there the fact that I'm still under the mindset that Carson Wentz will not be ready week one as much as he's pushing in and all the progress that he's made. So getting a Lamar Jackson to fill that void for a couple of games with the offense that he's in, with J.H.I., with Corey Clement, with all the speed, Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, if Lamar Jackson comes into a situation in which we've seen the work that Doug Peterson has done from Carson Wentz's rookie year till now, and give Lamar Jackson that same situation with the weapons that Carson had in week two. If you have to roll out Lamar Jackson, if something happens to Wentz, that's that's to me enough justification to trade away Nick Foles to get more picks. I think it's really interesting that I think one of the things that isn't being discussed here is maybe how coy the Eagles have played this thing because those conversations happened before, at least the Browns said, happened before they went out and got Tyrod Taylor, which was March 14th. I wonder how much the Eagles might have been thinking like, okay, that's a great offer. Maybe we can come back to it, but let's see how this whole free agency thing plays out. Let's see where Case Keenum ends up. Let's see if Kirk Cousins does go to Minnesota. And maybe they were even thinking in their back pocket, yeah, we've got this insurance policy. 
But what if Arizona doesn't get their guy or Denver doesn't get their guy? And all of a sudden, at that point in time, you're thinking 35 sounds great, but a first-round pick next year sounds even better. So I wonder how much the – I think the Eagles knew either way they weren't going to lose. Maybe they didn't win the most that they could have won, but either way they came away from that situation feeling like we can't lose. Either we have Nick Foles and he's our backup quarterback in our insurance policy, or we got a ton of value for him and struck while the iron is hot. Either way you look at it, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, whoever it is, those young men can air it out. And it is the Air It Out podcast, and we celebrate football being in the air. For Avery Collins, for Christopher Thomas, I am Kevin Crockett. This is all brought to you by Inside the Hashes. Find us on Twitter at Inside Hashes, on Instagram at Inside the Hashes, and find our podcast at Air underscore podcast on Twitter. For Avery, for Chris, I'm Kevin Crockett saying... God, I can smell the grass already being cut. Footballs are in the air. Enjoy it, everybody. Have a great week.